0: If you're grateful to God, just express The thing you learn about walking with family is there's always something new with God that he's bringing us into. And in this year, 2017, I am convicted to express faith far more than I have in the past. And so this morning I want to speak a little bit about faith's edge. And I'm going to read from Luke uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. You can follow along. But my prayer is that God would help us to be people who, who are living on the edge of faith. Living on the edge of our faith. As opposed to our faith being on the edge. So, in Luke chapter 7, verses... 1 through 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. But say the word. Just returned to the house, and found the servant well. Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning. Lord, thank you that you are the one who says, come to me and I will come to you. And when we come to you, you wash us, you cleanse us. We receive mercy. And we find grace to help in time of need. I thank you for this moment. Amen. When I was here last time, I talked about the invitation that has been given to all of us to regularly come to the throne room. And in Hebrews 4, it speaks about coming to the throne room to receive, not achieve, which is very important. It's significant that we understand because we are people who live in achieve mode. But coming to God is not about achieving. It's about receiving. Receiving mercy. How many of you know we need mercy? And how many are glad that that mercy is eternal, meaning the quality of it never diminishes it. And it's new every day. And not only do we receive mercy and receive forgiveness and receive power and receive authority, receive kindness. We just receive from God. But we also find grace to help in time of need. I've been challenged with respect to grace because I've always understood grace, not always, but at the point that I began to understand grace, I thought primarily as grace as that which has brought salvation, and it does. But grace also is that which teaches us to say no to sin and to live godly, upright lives. But grace goes beyond that. Grace also makes us fit or suitable for service. Isn't that good? Grace actually suits you to serve God. Apart from grace, we wouldn't be suitable to serve him. And and I love that about grace, but grace goes beyond that. And here's where I'm challenged, and perhaps you are too. Grace is sufficient. Wow. Grace is sufficient. Now, this is where I'm learning to live. There's a man in the Bible named Paul who is burdened uh, with something he describes as a splinter in his brain, a thorn in his flesh. And he had relationship with God, very close to God. He asked God, would you take this from me? Asked three times. And God responds, not with answering the request made, but responding with this truth. My grace, my unmerited favor is sufficient for you because in your moment of weakness, My power's made perfect. And I begin to understand somewhat that there are things in my life for which I make requests. Take this from me. Remove this weakness. Remove this impediment. If you remove this, it'll be all good. And his response is, I got something better. What? What could be better? Instead of taking something, I'm going to give you something. My grace is sufficient for you because in your moment of weakness, my power comes and fills up the difference between your weakness and my perfection. So, we need to learn to be well content because when we're weak, we really are strong. But here's how it works. In the moment of weakness, when we go to God, we find grace and grace is made perfect. Power is made perfect in our weakness. Not only that, strength is made perfect in our weariness. Praise is made perfect in our despair. In other words, it's not the removal of what we think is at issue. It's the presence of grace so that our trust is in him and not ourselves. That's not the message this morning. But that's where we have to live. There are things that I've asked for years. God, take it away. And he says, you haven't figured this out yet, have you? I didn't take the cross from Christ. I strengthened him to endure it. David understood it in Psalm 50. He said, this is my comfort in my suffering. I don't think that way. That thought is from God, not man. That you can actually experience comfort while suffering. That comfort is not the absence of suffering. Comfort is what God can give while you're suffering. And when people see you experiencing comfort while suffering, they go, there must be a God. We got to live this way. I'm learning how to live this way. I'm preaching to me. Now, this centurion, wow. He is a man who is a Roman soldier. He's commended by Jesus because of his faith. Jesus, actually, the Bible says he's amazed. Listen, Jesus is not amazed by much. So for him to say he was amazed, he was amazed. Why was he amazed? And what can we learn from this commendation from Jesus to this man that we can apply to our lives? It's about there being an edge to our faith. Because where there's not an edge to our faith, we're at risk for our faith to be on edge. On edge to doubt, on edge to unbelief, on edge to worry. How many of you know yeah, your faith has been on the edge at times? Yeah. Anybody else, your faith been on the edge? And, and God says, I don't want your faith to be on the edge. I want you to live on faith's edge. Sharp. So Matthew speaks about this same soldier. When Matthew in chapter 8, he tells a story about three people. Uh, One was a man who had an incurable disease who was a leper. And lepers were not permitted to be in public places. They were sequestered. Uh, But this leper found faith and reasoned that he could go to God. And while a crowd was near Jesus, the leper shows up and says, if you're willing, not if you can, if you're willing, how many of you sometimes we've said God if you can. When you say to God if you can, he goes, "If I can." <laughs> if I can. You mean if you no, if you can believe. See, faith reasons that God can. That's the whole message this morning. Faith reasons. Faith reasons that God can. Even though fill in the blank, whatever you want to put in there. Even though I have financial challenges. Even though faith reasons that God can. Even though I have physical disabilities. Faith reasons that God can. Even though, even though I have relational, emotional challenges. Anybody in any one of those categories. Even though I have challenges. Faith reasons that God can. Faith doesn't stop at the challenge. It reasons beyond the challenge. It faces the facts without weakening. Oftentimes our faith will face the facts and will weaken in our faith rather than grow strong in our faith and the facts are an opportunity for your faith to be bolstered. So when he's talking in Matthew, speaking about this man with an incurable disease, God looks at him, this man who is untouchable and God touches the untouchable. Aren't you glad that God saw you and even though you were untouchable, he touched you just the same. He touches the untouchable and he heals the leper. Then the centurion's next, we'll come back to him. And then Peter's mother-in-law at home, lying sick with a fever, he reaches out, goes in the house and touches her. Now you think fever, why don't you just get and aspirin? Because that would be a long time later. We just reached to the medicine cabinets, but Jesus reached to her. And the fever in that day, It's not how we think about a fever or flu or cold today because we have prescriptions for it. But in that day, uh, you could get a fever and you could die. So it might have been tantamount to having cancer. That's probably how people could have thought about it. I don't know for sure. But I know Jesus raised her up. And so you have three people. You have this man with an incurable skin disease. You have a Roman centurion who is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. You have to understand that the laws of the day made it a prohibition for Jews to associate with non-Jews. And to add to that, you have a non-Jew who's a Roman soldier, and Rome is oppressing the Jews. So he's not well-loved. He's not well-liked. Not by the masses. And so this man has a predicament because he highly values his servant. His servant is lying paralyzed at the point of death with whatever means of life support available. And this Roman soldier, it says, heard about Jesus. I don't know what he heard about Jesus. I do know that in Luke chapter 4, verse 36, a few verses before, it says of Jesus, all the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one with authority. It says that with authority and power, he ordered impure spirits to leave people. So understand that the word spread throughout that region. The surrounding area had the privilege of hearing about Jesus, and the centurion had not been in his presence to hear it himself, but he'd heard what others heard. And the centurion heard that when he spoke, he spoke with authority, he spoke with power, and when he said words, people's lives were changed for all eternity. So this centurion who realizes, I'm not worthy to have Jesus come into my house because I'm one who opposes the law, so how can I then break the law and have a Jew, more than that, a priest, a rabbi, if you will, come into my house and be defiled so I can't get him to me and I'm unworthy to go to him. And this is where we have our even though moments. I've had countless even though moments where there was a moment to step out beyond the fact, beyond the challenge. But my even though I got caught up, I'm I'm this or I'm that or I'm this or that. And I go, well, there's just no hope. But here's what he says. The people come to Jesus that he sends. And it says, Jesus, uh, the Roman centurion, this commander of 100 men, he says he's not even worthy for you to come under his roof. But here's what he told us to tell you. Wouldn't you want to see this? I'm hoping in heaven like they can play it all back. I, I want to see all the scenes that I've had to use my imagination for. I want to see the people walking up to Jesus and pleading with them, Jesus, Jesus, we know. one moment. There's a Roman centurion. Uh, we realize he's, he's Roman. But you need to understand, he, he loves our nation. He, he was one of the major contributors to our building program. Come on, somebody. The place where we show up in worship, even though he's not a Jew, he loved us so much that he was one of the biggest givers in the campaign. In fact, he gave three to three campaigns to make that building go up. Speaking to somebody in here today. And Jesus was going to go with them. And listen, Jesus wasn't concerned about being defiled. You can't defile him. He would have gone to the man's house. But Jesus, he said this. He said, just say the word and his servant will be healed. Did he? He said this. He said, how did he say it? He said, yeah, he said he also is a man under authority with men under his authority. He says to this one, go, and he goes. He says to this one, come, and he comes. He says to a servant, do this, and he does it. And what he was trying to say is, given that he's a man under governmental authority, the authority of Rome, and he says when he says words, he doesn't have to see it. He doesn't have to be there. He knows that they obey his command. So he's saying, just say the word. Just give the order. Just give the command, and my servant will be well. Jesus went like this, hold up hold up, hold up. What did he say? He said he understands himself being a man under authority, that when he commands a soldier and turns his back, he knows it will be executed. And he's heard that you speak with authority and he doesn't need to see you. He just knows if you say the word. He was crying. He said, just just tell him to say the word. Just tell him to give the command. Just tell him to give the order. Just tell him to give the charge. Just tell him to say it. If he says it, I don't have to leave his side. I don't have to leave his bedside. You're going to be okay, Jerome, whatever your name is You, He's going to be all right. And Jesus said, pay attention. In the whole house of Israel, I found faith, but none like this. I've not found such great faith. He reasoned that God was able. He reasoned that God could. He looked within himself and he thought about his experience with God, though limited. It was enough. Church, I want you to know that the, the parameters or the boundaries of your faith are ready to be enlarged. If you go, even though I have financial challenges, even though I have disabilities, even though God is able. Oh, God. In Matthew, he begins to express, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, there are going to be people who come from the east and the west, non-Jews who are going to sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of their faith, the faith of Abraham, who reasoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Do you all remember that passage when Abraham is walking with his son Isaac and only Abraham knows that Isaac is the offering? Because Isaac says, Daddy, we got the fire. We got the wood. Um, where's the offering? Yeah. The Lord will provide for himself. But then he says to his servants, Abraham says, wait right here. Watch this. The boy and I are going to offer, and we will be back. He wasn't saying that in hope. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hebrews 11, he had reasoned. Come on. Yeah. Faith reasoned that God was able to raise him from the dead. Abraham had thoughts about his experiences with God. Married over 25 years, but at least 25 years from the start of the promise that through your womb, through you, I will, your wife Sarah, and through you, you will have children. Isaac will be born. And so he realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got history with God. My wife had been barren for more than 25 years. 25 years just from the promise. But they were married before that. So for 50, who knows how long they've been married. He said the deadness of her womb was the first place that he brought Isaac so he can bring him from the dead again. He can bring him from the dead again. He brought him from the deadness of the womb so he can bring him from the deadness. That's our God. So what I want you to do, we're going to pray. What I want you to do is think carefully about your experiences with God that allow you to reason, even though. I told you I came here at 19. I was a hot mess. We don't have time for all that, but I'll tell this part of it. I was expelled from American University, full tuition scholarship. First in the family go to college. All I had to do was maintain certain GPA. Uh, first semester, academic probation. Second semester, academic dismissal. My GPA started with a decimal point. The next number was four. So you college students should feel a little better today if you were discouraged when you came in. The dean of the university, sitting in her office with me, says these words. You will never set foot on this campus again. Those were the words that went to my heart. After that, I met Chris Clark. After that, I met Pastor Brad. After that, I met Daryl Green. After that, I met David Jenkins. After that, I met all you who were here. You're my family, even if you didn't know Just because I've been 18 years, you're you're my family. And just began to grow in this house, set up chairs. Back in those days, we didn't have chairs. We had to set them up. Set up the screen. We had to do all that. And one of my best friends, we would go jogging in the morning, and then we'd finish our jog, our run with a prayer. We just start praying together. He was praying and I laughed out loud. I wasn't laughing at his prayer. I was laughing because I told him, I think I heard something that may be God. And if it is, it's the biggest joke I've ever heard. He said, what? I said, I think God wants me. I think he said this. I don't know how to hear him really well, but I think he said, go back to school. What? He said, why is that funny? He said, go back to American University. My friend said, oh yeah, that is a joke. (laughs) That's the joke. God got jokes. God got Joe, because I was thinking, God, there's no way I can go back. Let me bring you up to speed. I got up from that prayer time thinking, oh, scared. Put on my Paisley necktie. Paisley's back, isn't it? Put on my paging necktie, went up to the school. Long story short, sat there. They made me write a paper about why I deserved to come back. I said, I don't deserve to come back. They said, write it anyway. So I wrote a paper called God's Grace Begins With Your Ability Ends. They read the paper, called me two weeks later, called me back, gave me freshman forgiveness, reinstated me, reinstated my scholarship. My GPA had numbers in front of the decimal point 3.8, 3.7, 3.8. I was like, Faith! Now listen, don't get too excited. It was never about me going back to school. It's never about that. It was a moment where God said step out and trust me so that it's not just about, and I was was like, I will never ever be able to doubt God ever again in my life no matter what anybody says to me. And God says, good, I'm gonna remember that because later on, (laughs) later on, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing school, I'm working for a law firm as a legal assistant At my wedding, the partner says to my family, Donnell, gosh, we love this guy. We're paying his way all expenses for law school, and when he finishes, he'll be an associate here and beg pardon. I'm like, what a wedding gift! (laughs) Sunday, I come to church, Pastor Brad preaches. I'm in tears. I go up to Daryl Green and say, hey, man, listen, I'm about to go to law school, but I want to serve working with the youth in the inner city where I grew up, and I just want to be a volunteer before I go to law school. Daryl goes, Praise God. I've been praying that God would send me a man who can help lead this organization. That's good. I'll pray with you. I'll volunteer. He's like, no, I think you should be the man. No, no, no. I'll volunteer. I'm going to the law school. He said, pray about it. I said, no, pray about it. No, pray about it. All right, I'll pray about it. But you know, when you say pray about it and you're just ending a conversation, you're not really. I've been around a minute. Hey, I'll pray about that. We're going to pray right now. Grab my hand. Well, I need to fast and pray. We won't go to lunch. We'll just pray right now. Fast, lunch, and pray. I went home. My wife was riding with me. I told her what Daryl said. I said, you know, Daryl's not, you know, he's not, you know. Next day, my wife comes to me and said, I think it's God's will. I know, law school, our future. I'm finishing school. She said, no, to go work with Daryl. No! No! My life is not my own. No! No! And then I realized going back to school was never about going back to school. It's a moment of faith, living on the edge, because I've seen God there. I can see God here. So I go work with Daryl's organization, and the law firm dissolves in six months. It keeps going. (laughs) Pastor Brett says, let's plant a church in D.C. Awesome. Donnell, you be the pastor. No! Stop! Stop! The madness will somebody please stop stop <laughs> when you say yes to god in faith i'm in a room with Daryl green sitting on the floor he's got a you don't even have to come train just show up in multi-million dollar athlete he's weeping because god said stay in dc don't go anywhere All the stories of all the men and women that I walk with is faith's edge. That's who we are, people. It will never just come down to practical sense. There will always have to be a moment where faith in God reasons. There may be people here and you've got faith to reason that this is the day to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to pray with you. And there may be people here today who reason that I've set some boundaries and parameters and I realize my faith's been on the edge, but I need to be living on faith's edge rather than have my faith on the edge. If you're here this morning and say, I don't know Jesus I want to begin a relationship, just hold your hand high. Anybody at all? Hold it up high enough so I can see it. All right. If you're here this morning you say, Donnell, I'm with you. I'm receiving the same challenge to live on the edge of faith. And to let faith reason that God is able. If you're sensing that at all, just stand on your feet where you are. I want to pray. Yes. Father, I thank you for everyone who's standing. I want to ask one other group to stand, too. If you're here and you're believing for physical healing, emotional healing, you stand on your feet with these. Believe right now. Not when you leave this room. Believe right now. Believe right now. Right now, let your faith come on the edge. I want you to arrest every thought that has arrested you, every thought of unbelief. Too long in my life, I've allowed unbelief to wrestle me to the ground, face down, and cuff me with my hands behind my back. It's time for you to get up and with the authority of Jesus, arrest discouragement in your life. Arrest unbelief in your life. Arrest self-pity in your life. Arrest accusation. Lord, this morning, even though we reason that God is able, even though we reason you're able, for those who are standing right now, I am believing for an impartation of faith to reason that God is able to fulfill every word. Even though, whatever the challenge is, you fill it in and you just say, God, even though right now I reason that you're able, you pray in your own breath, your own words. While you're praying that for those who need healing, just receive and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the one who touches all the untouchables touch me in my body right now Lord I thank you that you're healing those who are sick right now in this place healing them healing people emotionally who are broken hearted those who grieve in Zion and you're healing their bodies tumors disappearing migraine headaches gone blurriness of vision made clear and corrected pain in the jaw gone Back pain, scoliosis healed, cancer healed. Any issue, lungs, asthma. Lord, I thank you for healing your people that you're here right now. Let our faith be amazing. If you receive all this, tell them right now how grateful you are. Amen.